Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 diddly D. Hey, everybody, it's me, Dr. Fuck, and with me is... Oh, yeah, the Ayatollah Alcohola, Ian Wadley. Hi, Ian. How you doing, Ralph? Uh, I'm doing okay, but I got a burning question. What's that? Do we have any iTunes reviews? No, because our listeners suck. What? Well, uh, the, the new listeners who haven't left iTunes suck. The other ones who have left iTunes reviews, those guys are cool. Yeah. Yeah. They, we, they donate. Yeah. We, yeah. Yeah. And speaking of donations... Uh, we had a great week this week with people donating to the Rock and Pod Expo 2, uh, making this possible. And uh, I am not at liberty to say, but we are on the verge of possibly announcing a major, major guest at this year's uh, Expo. Please do not send me any questions or ask me this because I cannot say shit and I won't say shit till nothing's confirmed. Let me put it this way. A lot of you fuckers would want to go if this will happen. Yeah, if, if it does happen, it'll be amazing. And if it doesn't happen, it's still going to be amazing. Yeah, we'll be. Yeah. Uh, and and we're also uh, working. We're in final negotiations to get Black Hair on to perform there. Oh, really? So that, oh, yeah. that's great news. Yes, I, yes. I talked to Chris and Zach about that. Decimal Geek dropped that gauntlet. They said they're going to beat us this year. We are in the lead but, you know, if you guys don't donate, and even if you do donate but don't specify who you're donating for, we could fucking lose. And that would make us losers. And we ain't going to handle that. That mm-hmm. shit ain't happening. Mm-hmm. That shit ain't. And we already lost, well, kind of lost, uh, a donation this week. Did we? Be- yes, we did. Because initially, Andrew Jacobs donated $20 back when the fundraiser first started and he didn't name a show or anything uh you know he's just like oh i'm donating for the expo i can't wait to meet everybody you know and suck the cocks and then he changed it when me and him started having a little war and he said i dedicate this 20 dollars to viera vault but viera vault viera vault is so underground that uh we are not even acknowledged are we Am I? I don't know. I don't care. Well, I mean, I appreciate what you do. I mean, you and me are, are showing up. Oh, my, my, my show fucking rule. I mean, I've been on a roll lately, man. My last two episodes, oh my God, they're fucking, they're so good. And uh, and the next one I got coming up is going to be amazing too. But, but uh, you know, I've seen the list on the Rock and Pot Expo. I don't see the Vault written there, but I never, ever once said why isn't Vieira Vault on there? Because hey, it's a new puppy. And hey, I'm very proud of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. As I said, I may have started my other podcast, but this is my podcast as well. And this is where I'm going to focus all my energy on. My Vieira Vault is grassroots. And, and I like that. I'm not... And you know me, I've never been about numbers. But, you know, the yeah. numbers have been great lately. Yeah. I've noticed like the newer episodes have been getting a lot of numbers quicker than the older episodes. 
And I think the quality is much better now. I'm getting, like, really good guests. And, dude, I mean, quite honestly, dude, I'm really good at interviewing. I, I When I did that Bob Nalbamian and, when you know, with me and Brad, Brian Davis doing the that other thing, I, you know, because I'm not one of these fuckers that have notes. You know, like, oh, let me ask this question. I'm just like, I just wing it, you know? And it shows. And, and, and the, the positive feedback and, and all the iTunes reviews that I'm getting... You know, they're all five stars and everybody's loving everything. And and I've noticed that it's just been getting bigger and bigger and bigger as it goes on. But Rock and Metal Combat Podcast is my, how do you say, my uh, municipal waste where Vieira Volt is my Iron Reagan. Thank you. There you go. This is your Led Zeppelin and that is your firm. Only yours is good. Hey, man. The why the sucks. fuck? Do, hey, come on. <laughs> no, I just said yours is good. I'm already uh, I'm already <laughs> But uh, but yeah. So so Andrew Jacobs changed, and he dedicated his twenty dollars. He doesn't keep in mind. He doesn't keep donating. He just keeps reallocating where his fucking twenty dollars go. So he changed it to Vieira Vault. But uh, you know, you kind of gooped on him in the last episode too. Did I? So now, so now he changed it. To, he wants his $20 to go to Decibel Geek, and he even put hashtag Beat Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. <laughs> okay. All right, whatever. So so, so now that, that that's a hashtag. Look, Beat look, bottom line, bottom podcast. line, we were his favorite podcast. You got a problem with him. Now all of a sudden we suck. I mean, this happened before a couple times before. I don't take it personal. I don't I just don't care. I really don't care. I appreciate his support, but if he wants to be this way, then, dude, that's you know, whatever, dude. I mean, uh, Rock and Metal Combat Podcast is still going to get the most donations. It's still got the same following we've ever had. Andrew Jacobs, just, you know, hey, if you got a problem with Ian and if you got a problem with me now, trust me, man. I, I'm not going to be like Ian because I, I just don't care. I, I really don't care. You know, and there's a lot of shit that I could do. Like, if I really wanted to fucking, you know, bash on Andrew Jacobs, there's a lot of shit I could do. Like, I, I could tell you about his wife's tattoo, you know? <laughs> you've, seen, you've seen his wife's tattoo, right? No, I have not. Oh, his, his, his wife, on her inner thigh, she's got a tattoo of a seashell. And if you put your ear up against it, you can smell the ocean. <laughs> True story. True story. Ooh. That's a good wife, one, man. Yeah, thank you. His wife's a fucking pig, and so is he. <laughs> oh, uh, wow. So donate to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, please, whether it be 5, 10, fucking 40, 60, or 100, or, you know, if you want to be real cool, like fucking Mr. T from Germany, 150, uh, you know, make sure you leave in the comment section. You know, do your donation, but there's also a comment thing on there, and say, hey, I'm doing this for the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. We are the leading breadwinners so far, but we have a long way to go. We've raised, as of recording this, we've raised $3,000. Wow. Our goal is $15,000 because last year our goal was $10,000. We did achieve that, but more money ended up coming out of pocket than what it is. And, and, and trust me, none of this goes to us. None of this goes into to Decimal Geeks podcast pocket you know this is all to put on the best show we can but let me tell you this the stuff that's that's in the workings right now if this works out 
it will all be worth it. And it'll be worth it to you guys because, you know, anything you donate goes towards getting in. Because if you just show up blind to the expo, it's $10 to get in. If you donate 20 uh, not only do you get in, but you get in early. You have first access to all the vinyl, to all the dealers, you know, to where you want to be. And, and, and let's say this, like say, oh, okay, you're strapped this week. You donate set amount of money. It, it all adds up like, hey, I can only donate, you know, 20 this week. And you donate 40 the next week. You can beat, you can pick an episode and host. You know what I mean? It all adds up. So, you know, do what you can. We appreciate everything. Again, this does not help us. It helps you guys because it makes this expo the best it can be. Let's us out there to spread the word. And I want to thank everybody who's done it. I know I, I drive this home on the page and some of you are probably sick of seeing it. But tough shit. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to win. I want us to be the number one breadwinner for this expo. Well, I'm Ian, proud uh, of that. I, I can give you a little advice how we can win. How's that? Um, don't call any more donators pink, uh, white's pigs. Because uh, they'll end up giving it to Decibel Geek. You know? Oh, fuck that guy and his pig wife. No, I mean, no, I, I, I'm just anyway. saying a few other, other people. That guy already hates it. So. But enough of me begging for money. Let's go to the news, Ralph. All right. You got any news there, Ian? Yes, I do. I've got a uh, current Kiss guitar player, Tommy Thayer, is going to sign copies of his newest book, Ernest Hemingberg, in Valencia, California this week. What? Yeah, he's got, yeah, he's got a kid's book coming out. Oh, boy. It, yeah, it's about how only kids can buy the fact that he's Ace Fraley. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And mentally challenged kids. Yeah, yeah. That, that are so, in their 50s. Yeah, so all you fuckers who think that Scooby-Doo movie is really cool, you're going to love this Tommy Thayer book, you fucking nerds. <laughs> Tommy, I, w- I would like to say something about Tommy Thayer. Tommy Thayer, I think, is a... You know, okay, let's, let's get the negative out of the way. We all know the negative. He's a bitch. He does everything. But I got to say this, man. I've been seeing some Tommy Thayer, you know, there's like these TMZ type place, uh, things on YouTube where they ambush people, you know, at airports Right. and they ambushed Tommy Thayer and seriously, dude, the guy's a really nice guy. He really is. I, he, he's very grateful for what he has. He's very nice to the photographers and, and the people harassing him. And, um, I think he's a good dude. I, that's all I got to say. Personally, I think, uh, yeah, what he, he put himself in a position to be ridiculed and made fun of and everything. But I think as a person, he's a nice guy. Eric Singer, on the other hand, is he's a bitch. But I, I, I just wanted to put that footnote, you know, recently seeing all this shit. Like, remember when Paul Stanley told that guy to take that Iron Maiden shirt off? Right. You know, of course, Gene's his bitch, so he chimes in. But Gene doesn't care. And then, you know, Eric Singer, of all people, is like, yeah, if, you, if you're going to a football team, are you going to play the opposite? Are you going to wear the opposite jersey of the uh, other team? It's like, bitch, look what you're wearing. And number two, I mean, how many how many times did you wear a Raiders shirt at, at some fucking uh, uh, game that was at, you know, some other team stadium? You know what I'm saying? 
the hell is he talking about? Tommy Thayer, on the other hand, just stayed quiet because he's respectful. So I got to hand it to Tommy Thayer. I'm not going to be part. Yeah, I'll stick by. He's a bitch and, you know, he's fake frailty and everything. But as a person, I think he's a nice guy. That's all I got to say. Move on. Yeah, well, I mean, other than the fact that he's a Holocaust denier, you know, I mean. <laughs> Man, how do you get in that group? <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, it's Facebook. He answered the questions right, and they let him in the group. But, uh, you know, he said it was science fiction. Wow. He, he said they that. He said they killed themselves. So it was like that Haley Bop comic, you know, cult. Uh, but other than that, yeah, he's a bitch. You learn something every day here on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. That's true. Mm-hmm. Anywho, let's go to a band that has, like, fucking multiple fucking stories about them this week. That we're all... Uh, very interesting and intriguing. And that is a band that's still on everybody's... Uh, it's on the tip of your tongue right now, and that's Judas Priest. Yeah. And we keep going on and on about how great Firepower is because... It's great. It is, oh, it's, it's it's an amazing album. And they've been all over Blabbermouth this week with multiple stories that deserve talking about. And one of the latest one today is Rob Hofford says Judas Priest has no plans on retirement, and why should they? Oh, good, good. I, I'm all for Judas Priest return. Uh, keep, keep going. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I'm. I'm right there, man. I see all the videos of this tour. I think they sound great. They just put out an amazing album. You know, there's kind of one part of me is like, man. If you go out with firepower, what a way to go out! Because I think it's one of your greatest. Uh, but to me, that, that that's easy. That's easy. The hard part would be like, hey, can we do it again? And you know, if Jason Becker can write a fucking album blinking his fucking eyes, that you know, Glenn Tipton can like say, hey, play this and play that and help write another great Judas Priest album. I'm all for that. But, uh, you know, I want to stress, if you're going to keep going, man, it better be as good as Firepower, or you're going to regret it, you know? Uh, that's going to be a tough call, but, you know. You never... Yeah, that, that's going to be a tough one. But uh, another story that came out is uh, was uh, Richie Faulkner talking about why should they have asked K.K. Downing to come back? Uh, because of how adamant he was about leaving the band and that he didn't want anything to do with them. And he kind of shook it off as like, hey, why are you talking about this? Because you left. What do you think about that one? You know, look, I'm not saying how he should act. Everybody should have their own voice. But it's just like what I was saying about Tommy Thayer earlier. You know, I think Richie should stay out of it. You know, I love Richie Falker. I think he's the savior of Judas Priest, but I don't know, man. You know, K.K. Downing, you know, was there before Tipton and Halford. And I think he deserves some respect. And if anybody should say anything bad about K.K., I think it should be Rob or Ian Hill or even Glenn. Uh, But, you know, but that's my own opinion. But at the same time, you know, it's communism to tell somebody how to act. But I just think, you know, It'd be more classy for him to stay out of the whole mess. Uh, but as far as KK goes, dude, to tell you the truth, it's a sticky subject because me, neither me or you 
No, oh yeah, and I got some mind-blowing rat news for you, by the way. Okay. Uh, something that'll make me look like shit, so I know you're going to like it. Oh, All it's right. going to make me look like such a fool, what I've been doing lately. With oh, the good. whole rat drama. Good. But, uh, oh, good. <laughs> Thanks, Ian. Okay, bye. Thanks for your vote of confidence on me. Uh, Never mind. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, it, it, it's just something that we really don't know. I mean... In a way, it is shining KK in a bad light, but we really don't know why he really left. Because you got to remember, KK stood by there while Glenn Tipton ruled the band with an iron fist during the Ripper years. Right. You know? So, I don't know. I think, you know, KK, and I love KK, so it's hard for me to say, well, you know, this and that, because I do hear Rob's version of it, and it does make me feel like, and Ian Hill, too. It makes me feel like, damn, man, KK is not looking good too, too good here. But none of us, I mean, none of us know what the fuck happened. I don't know. Um, I just feel like Richie Faulkner should just continue to kick much ass and and uh, keep continue saving Judas Priest like Vinnie Vincent saved Kiss. And, um, you know... Uh, let 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 the, the the original members deal with it. You know, that's just my opinion. All right. Well, next story is uh, Rob Halford came out and said that Judas Priest is not a political band, but every once in a while he does interject current topics into Judas Priest lyrics. Uh, he said he did that with on this album with Firepower, but he set off a shitstorm on Blabbermouth earlier this week. Are you familiar with what he said earlier this week on Blabbermouth, Ralph? Yes, that I did see where he was uh, talking bad about Trump, right? Yes. Well, he said he did not support Trump and had very bad things to say about Trump. Uh, But he also said that he understands that the audience has different opinions, and when you come to a Judas Priest show... uh, you know, he's like, I don't want anything to be about politics. I want everything to be about unity, about everybody, you know, enjoying, you know, the music of Priest and and the, and the music of heavy metal. And he didn't want any division. But, you know, he had his own personal beliefs, which I thought he, he handled very classy. You know, said, hey, this is what I think, but I'm not speaking for the band. I'm not speaking for the fans. And, you know, we're not out at Judas Priest concerts, you know. Like, we're you too doing shit, you know? He's like, you know, we, we play our music, but I have my own personal opinions. And, uh, oh, God, as soon as I saw that story on Facebook, I was like, you know, I, I try. I try so hard to stay away from the fucking comments. But when I saw that shit, I was like, let I, I know the fucking retards are going to fucking attack. And, oh, my God, did they. Rob Halford took so much shit on fucking Blabbermouth. And, you know, everything from fuck this faggot and all this shit. And fuck him. He's from Europe. Shut the fuck up. And people saying, that's why I downloaded Firepower and it paid for it. And I'll never spend another fucking dime on Judas Priest. Wah, wah, wah. And, and, and that's one thing I got to say, man, is I've really seen... Uh, you know, in this current climate we're in, uh, Facebook being very, very right-wing, and all these bands that come out against Trump just get fucking annihilated. 
and, 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 you know, people swearing, I'll never buy their fucking albums again and all this shit. And I know you don't like to get too political on this show, and I'm very obvious about, you know, my feelings. But my question to you is, <clears throat> is there anything that an artist would do besides making poor music? You know, an album you didn't like or, or go in a direction you don't like. Is there anything a audi- uh, a band member could do or say that would make you say, I will never go see them live or I will never buy their album again? Never. I would never do that. Rob Hoffer can say, uh, you know what? Shit was great. And I'll still fucking go see him. I don't care. That's his fucking opinion. You know, people have a right to opinion. This is America, you know. And by the way, he lives in Phoenix. Right. You know, and, and, but, you know, it's like... Oh, I he, love I love music, you know. Right. He 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 was a, he was attacked for that. He said I've lived in this country uh, since 1986 uh, in the Phoenix area, and he was uh, another thing he was attacked for. Well, why aren't you a U.S. citizen? And you've been here this long, you know. Fuck you, you know. Die faggot and shit like that. And uh, and I was really taken aback because. Uh, you know, I, I've often said about how dis, you know I find Ted Nugent despicable, but god damn, I love those old Ted Nugent records. But but I, I found it very interesting, and it's a very polarizing time in the metal community, and I, I think it's sad that this is uh, you know blowing over into the music. And uh, nobody's safe. You know, I've never seen such a division in this country this country's always been divided one way or another but it's gotten to the point where it's just ridiculous you know right that's, but that's it, why i don't like to take part of any of it i i am not anti-trump i'm not anti-anything you know i'm just pro-american that's it you know uh I, i'm i'm not happy with the government but i never have been you know there was things that reagan did i didn't like you know but they, you know it's just the way it is it doesn't matter who you get in office the president's got to fuck over somebody to make something else better. You can't please everybody. You just can't. This world is too diverse, you know. So right, but, I, but I don't. I, mean, I just don't want to jump on the bandwagon of. Uh, I, I, it's just too much already, you know. But I mean, you would say in the '80s you didn't notice like people picking bands based on their politics. No, because it was a different world back then, and plus we didn't have social media that we can hear some guy from bumfuck Egypt talk about what they think about this and that, you know what I mean? Uh, we, we, I just knew what my friends did. And we were too, we were too fucking, you know, here's the thing about the 80s and Reagan. Um, that was some great times, you know? Uh, we weren't grown-ups yet. We weren't dealing with, you know, adulthood. You know, I mean, I was living on my own and doing my thing. But there was this thing going on back then that we didn't pay attention to stuff. All I know is Reagan, for me, benefited me financially a lot. When Reagan was gone is when I started to feel the, the hurt, you know? But uh, I, I, loved, I loved the fact that the man was just so in love with our country. I just loved that. That's what he appealed to me about, watching this documentary on him and the letter he wrote right before Alzheimer's hit him made me cry, made me really appreciate the man more than I did back in the day. 
I never really cared for Reagan while he was president. It was afterwards where I studied and watched documentaries on him, realized what a what a great president he was, you know, for me, you know. Uh, other people may disagree, and that's fine. I mean, I'm not saying you're right or wrong. That's your opinion, and I have mine, you know. And that's how I feel about, you know, people that hate Trump or love Trump. You know, I'm... Uh, look, as long as you don't fucking call Rob Halford, I hope you die and you're a fag, and you support Trump and not say this stupid homophobic shit, um, I'm cool with anybody that likes Trump. I, I really don't care, you know. I just don't... I don't care. I have other problems to worry about. You know, as long as Trump doesn't fucking break down my door and fuck with my freedom, I ain't gonna have a problem with him. Just like I didn't have a problem with every other president before. You know, just let me do my thing. Let me fuck my whores and, you know, just let me listen to my metal and and just go on with my life, like, you know, freely. And I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm not gonna rock the boat. I'll let everybody else, and plus, everybody else is doing it so much, why the fuck should I even, you know, I, I, I just personally, in my view, uh, I don't want to get involved in none of that, because I feel like I have too much on my plate to worry about shit like that, and plus, it's very, like I said, you know, with my health problems and everything, a lot, you know, what happened to me last year, a lot of it had, had to do with stress, where I try to avoid stuff that pisses me off, that's why I get so you know, anal about people on the podcast page that 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 start with me. You know, it's like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna deal with it. Like you know, the Tim Green thing. It's not like he upset me and I got mad. It was more like I want to eliminate your ass, so I'm gonna let you know you're a douche, and uh, your apologies don't mean shit. You know, because after you do it a couple times, it's like once you don't when you don't learn from one mistake, it means you, and you repeat them. I have no sympathy for people like that. Therefore, I just want to remain happy. And uh, I know that's long-winded, but, you know, that's how I feel. Right, but but I'm saying just because Tim Bream voted for Trump and Rob Halford didn't, you're not going to stop listening to Judas Priest, right? Exactly. That's all I'm asking. All right. Well, uh, with that, we've got plenty enough news, and let's go into this fan-picked episode. No, no, you, 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 I got the best news. I told you about Rat, dude. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. All right, what I'm about to say is really going to shine me in a bad light. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I know. Thank you. Uh, You know, last week I was gloating about, oh, yeah, everybody blames Bobby Blotzer for for rat. Now look how dysfunctional they are. Well, thanks to a podcast called The Classic Metal Show. You know, the guy that owed me 50 bucks and he paid uh, 100 bucks. Uh, yeah, and he paid you. Chris and Hacker. he paid me, so he, you know, he's not a he's not a Welch. So the guy yeah. uh, did not uh, go back on, you know, much respect. Well, anyway, I, you know, in the mornings, I usually go in my bedroom. I go on my TV, and I go on YouTube to listen to something while I go to bed. And that was in my feed. The, the little uh, recommendations was the Classic Metal Show had an episode saying, what the fuck is up with Rat now? Right? So right. I listened to it. Now... This is hearsay, but man, this hearsay makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. You okay. know this whole thing with Warren D. Martini gone and shit? Right. It's all Blotzer still. <laughs> it's nothing to do with, with Juan or Piercy. Now, let me explain why. See, this, this is the, 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 the thing. You know that Blotzer and Warren own the name Rat, right? Right. 
Well, it turns out that they didn't sign certain paperwork and Juan and Piercy were still part of the, you know, of, of the ownership. Right. Now, all this time they've been touring without Piercy and then Piercy comes back without Juan. That shit was bogus, but they never looked into it. That's pretty much why Juan came back. Because Juan is still partnership because they didn't they fucked up on the paperwork. Alright, now here's the here's the kicker. Here's the fucking kicker. The reason Warren's leaving Rat, because this court case is not settled, and Bobby is in the process of suing them because they just announced some dates. And Warren has had enough. Warren's like, you know what, man? I can't deal with this shit anymore. And for some people that don't know, and I didn't know this, um, Warren is very rich because his family is uh, owners of Mars Bar. I've heard that, yes. I do know that. So he makes a lot of money off Mars Bar. I mean, a lot. More than rat money. And and what a lot of people don't, don't realize is you hear Mars Bar, but Mars Bar makes far more candies than just Mars Bar. I mean, like Almond Joys, you know. Yeah. M&M's. All this shit is owned by the Mars Bar Corporation. Exactly. So he's making all this money that's going into lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit. You know, he's got to go through all this bullshit. So he's... he's I mean, this is also hearsay, but boy, doesn't it make sense? You know, he's kind of like, you know what, fuck, I can't take this no more. Because look how long this shit's been going on. Even before Bloxer. You know, it's like suit, 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 suit after suit, suit. And he's like, you know what, guys? I can't, I just can't take it no more. And and, uh, another rumor going around is Carvazzo's out too. He's out of the bed. I've I've heard this. I've heard Carvazzo said uh, that he will not play in rat without Warren. And I've also heard, I don't know how true this is, that they said part of Warren being out is Warren is suffering from very bad hearing problems, like kind of like a tinnitus thing, like like, uh, Pete Townsend has or Jeff Beck has. Yep, it's just a a fucking huge mess, and uh, I I have been proven wrong completely because... You know, I, you know, and, and I'm no different than everybody else. You know, everybody always jumps to conclusions. And even though even though I was jumping to conclusions last week, I was jumping to conclusion, which I admitted was a rumor. But now I know, you know, it's it, this rumor to me really sounds real. You know, it sounds like, you know, Warren's just basically enough of this bullshit. I can't take it anymore. You know, you're 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 I'm wasting my fortune on a band that basically is not even remembered as a huge band from the 80s, which yeah. they were, you right. know? They, right. they, they, they don't have the Motley Crue uh, legacy. They, they don't have the Motley Crue sheep fans that Motley exactly, Crue has. Exactly, and if they are going to tour, it's going to be clubs yeah. and, or, or, you know, a festival or whatever, you know? It's, I think he makes more money off Mars Bar yeah. You know, than, than Rat, and he's wasting all his money on this Rat thing, and yeah. and it just seems to be going nowhere. And, of course, well, Bob, you know, I, I could totally see if, the, if this shit ain't resolved about, you know, who owns the name, 
Bobby ain't going to stay quiet if they go out on tour again. So in a way, Bobby, again, is the problem. Rat is the only way that Bobby can make money. I believe Bobby tried some condos or a golf course or some shit like that to make money, you know, during Rat's downtime. He was actually uh, uh, in, the, in the business of vending machines. Of vending machines. Yeah, yeah. I mean, something that he doesn't make enough, enough money in. So his only hope at any fucking income is uh, rat, you know, and it's it's unfortunate, but this day and age, it shows you how important a fucking name is because how many bands have lost key members and shit like that when, in all honesty, they should change the name because it's a shadow of the band that it used to be. It's not what everybody knows and loves. It's... But... But that's how fickle fucking America is. Uh, we, we grasp onto a name. We'll take a name brand over quality of music. Uh, you know, if you have a name, that means a lot more. A lot of these artists, especially 80s hard rock artists, uh, if they were trying to, to start over again with a new band, it wouldn't matter if they put out the greatest album ever. There would be no attention. There would be no money. There would be no nothing. They're they're grasping at fucking straws here, you know, to to get some kind of thing. I mean, why do you think? Like we we, we get all these artists that come to to the rock and, and uh, uh, rock and pot expo. Why do you think all these artists live in fucking Nashville instead of Los Angeles? Because they can't fucking afford to live in Los Angeles. Why would you live in Nashville? Your money goes a lot farther in fucking Nashville than it would to buy shit in L.A. If you don't make money, you're going to go where you can afford to fucking live. You know, nobody lives in Nashville by fucking choice. (laughs) You know, it's like, you know, people got to do this because that's all they can afford. And that's why you see these bands that have one or two original members, but they tour by a certain name. Because even if they wrote the greatest music in the world, if they called it, you know fucking, uh, you know, insufferable snephalitis, nobody give a shit, but if you call it fucking rat, oh yeah, I'll go see that, you know, and that's unfortunate, but uh, you know, the rat thing makes me sad, I think they did a great thing with Infestation, and I would love to see another, you know, I was really hoping for another strong album, I think Steven's singing better than he has in a long time, uh, but it's just, you know, it, it's it really fucking Oh, it irks me. You know, because I see fucking shit bands like Motley Crue get all this credit and all this, you know, like they're making a movie about Motley Crue and all these people still go, oh, yeah, Motley Crue. And I, you know, just me personally, I feel rats on ten times the band that Motley Crue is. But, <coughs> I mean, I mean, look at them. You have this kind of dysfunction. You can't settle it. You're playing fucking clubs. You know, Motley Crue is going to win every time. It's unfortunate. Yep, so there you go. Uh, thank you. What you just heard was courtesy of the Classic Metal Show. Is that the name of it? I believe so. All right, well, with that being said, we are now going to go on to an episode that is funded uh, for this expo that the other asshole couldn't care about, the Rocket Pod Expo 2. Aaron Baker wanted to hear a review of an album that we were already going to review. We already had this set up, and we already had it set up with a guest. Uh, so this was, in the, this was a very easy review to do. 
Because we just called uh, a certain person and said, hey, that review we said we're going to do with you, we're going to do it now. But I want to dedicate this to Aaron Baker. Thank you so much for donating. And for without further ado, this is Queensryche here in the Now Frontier. All right, now it's time to go into the 1997 album here in the Now Frontier from Queensryche. You know, my, my friend's uh, my fr- Eve. Eve, my friend Eve, I remember... I, I love that girl. I left my cassette uh, of the warning in her mom's car. And her mom's car, and her mom goes, Who's this Queensryche? Because <laughs> it has an E at the end. Oh, I thought it was funny. Anyway, and with me is Ian Ian. Who's with us this week? Oh, uh, we got a special guest. Nitroglycerin himself, Michael Glammeyers here. And it's not even an Iron Maiden episode. That's so this right. is pretty special. But he's still, well, had... he's still holding on to those nuts. Yeah, he is. While doing this episode. Those <laughs> oh, old, saggy Eddie nuts. <laughs> That's true. We're barely hanging on with the last album. So. But I had no place to go, so thank you guys for inviting me. I'm hey. homeless. Uh, that's cool. Yeah. Hey, when no other podcast will have you, come to the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. I know. Terrence won't even have me on his video <laughs> podcast, so I don't know. It's a video audio experience. It's an audio-visual podcast on youtube <laughs> terrence reardon and friends terrence i need a job hire me <laughs> uh, now on myspace yeah so uh yeah we're gonna talk about this uh much hated album uh this was the album universally like man everybody's like ah oh, they died after promised land or you know some people say empire i say fucking uh, uh operation mind crime they never topped that album but I have a warm spot for this album. Always have. Uh, I thought this album was much better than the two before it. And uh, But, you know, it does have its weak points. Uh, really bad weak points. But, man, there's more songs on this album that I love more than... Because, see, Empire, I, I could point to two songs. Uh, or maybe two and a half. There's Jet Setting Woman I kind of like. But I love uh, the title track, and I love the ballad. What was the ballad that ends that album? I like oh, that song. Anybody listening? I like I don't that think that's song. That's a ballad. That's like a kind of like a epic-y. Yeah, it's kind of chill though. And I love "Damaged" off of "Promised Land." And I know I think there's another one on there I like too, but I can't remember. This one I like a handful. I probably like more than half of this album, and then the other half is like, eh. it's it's more like you know. Empire and, you know, Promised Land. But uh, I remember when it came out, I was seeing a girl that was a huge, huge Queensryche fan that, look how cool it was back in the day. Back then, she was a member of the Queensryche fan club. So she was she was able to take, go backstage and meet them. Like, now you got to pay a lot of money to do it. Back then, fan clubs, you can go back there and meet them. She was allowed to bring somebody. So she took me. And I got, you know... A free shirt. I got to hang out with everybody. DeGarmo was kind of a dick. But Jeff Tate was the nicest out of all of them. Uh, Rock and Field didn't even come out to the meet and greet. And uh, I saw that tour. And it was awesome. And uh, I don't know, man. I think this album's really, really good. Um, but as I said, it does have its flaws. And uh, that's about it. That's all of my background on it. Well, how about you, Nitro? Uh, well, I was 15 when this came out. I was a day one buyer. And this was like a weird time because I have been into metal. I mean, I was only 15, so probably for 
really getting into it for about five years since I was about 10 I really started getting heavily into music so this was a weird time where I was familiar with all these bands catalogs and another album that comes out like all around the same time was like Reload and then there was Cryptic Writings and I just felt like all these bands I just fell in love with had really all kind of changed their sound completely um, it was right around the time when the web was huge so I remember I'd be on Queensryche's website um them and like Megadeth, I remember, were like really at the forefront of like the internet, like for bands. I felt uh, I like this out. It definitely took a while to get into because this did not sound like the Queens Reich I was familiar with. I mean, personal notes. I don't like the production. It's very muddy and it sounds really poor. Like it sounds like almost stem tracks at times. Uh, the drums don't sound like Queens Reich. Powerful, well mixed drums. There are some good songs on here. But I also think this album suffers from a bit of the CD age, like Ian likes to say. Like, it's a little too... There's too many tracks on here. And uh, quickly going to your point about when you saw them on that tour, I'm not sure if you guys are aware, but, like, EMI pretty much folded and pulled them off the tour. They had to finish the rest of the book dates with their own money. And I think that caused a lot of tension. There's just a lot of weird stuff surrounding this album where... They were no longer as close as they were, and that goes really back to the Empire days. So it kind of makes a disjointed album at times, I feel, but uh, it just took a while to get into for me. Some songs hit right away and some hit later. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to go over and see who lines up where. How about you, Ian? Uh, well, I remember when this came out, I had just moved to Florida, and uh, they did play uh, Sign of the Times. I, I did hear a lot on the radio, and I, I gotta say I liked it, but it didn't. Uh, I, I didn't run out and buy it, and I didn't buy the previous album, Promised Land. Uh, you know, I was a huge Queensrÿche fan with uh, with Operation Mind Crime, but for whatever reason, I never went back at that time and checked out the back catalog. I just played the shit out of fucking uh, Mind Crime, and then I got Empire. And I liked it, but nowhere near Mind Crime. And when Promised Land came out, I heard Bridge. And I thought it was a good song. And I still think the Bridge is a great song. Uh, but by the, the time that came out, man, it was fucking Pantera. It was Pantera. You know, all my beloved hair bands had become, you know, just a shell of themselves. And were pretty much wiped off the face of the earth. Yeah. And, and the fucking... You know, the, gr the, the grunge, I was like, eh, I like some of this shit, you know, and some of it I, I really fucking hate. So that's when I really started going to the heavier shit. Didn't you know, Dokken have Shadow Life at this time, too? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, see, I, 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 I didn't buy until years later. I think the last Dokken I bought was, you know, uh, Beast in the East. Dysfunctional was good. I will go on record. Uh, yeah, I really like oh, that album. Oh, God. Yeah, and I, I didn't even buy that until I found it used for like a dollar. That's the only reason I bought it. But, uh, no, I mean, just with Pantera, I just, I went to the classics, and then I just kept going heavier and got way more into the fucking thrash, you know, because the, the cock rock I loved, the bands were either gone or it became shit like Steelheart, you know, like, which was just, you know, way too pussy for even me. And, and like I said, I like some grunge, but, you know, like Pearl Jam, like, eh, I don't want to hear songs about the plight of fucking women, like, no fucking thank you. So I just, that's when I delved into more thrash and heavier shit. 
and Queen's Ride kind of went by the wayside. But I remember hearing very vividly hearing this on the radio, and like, well, that's better. That's, it sounds more like Queen's Ride, even though it's a little different. But it wasn't enough to entice me to go buy it. But Queen's Ride is one of those bands. Like every couple years, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna become a real big Queen's Ride fan. And I'll start listening to them a lot for like a week or two and try to get into them more. And usually it's just like, eh, eh, whatever. But this was one of those I went back and listened to it. I was like, damn, okay, all right. But then I I put it away and I don't listen to it again. And then listening to it again for this episode, I listened to it like three times. And my opinion changed very much. Uh, but one thing I'd like to point out is I love the album cover for this. And I saw somebody posted it uh, on the page. And I don't know if it's Aaron Baker who requested this episode or not. But they're like, can somebody please explain the cover? To me, it kind of makes perfect sense. It's here, like, not Indeed. here, but here with your fucking ear. Yeah, it's spelled the, here. In the now frontier, like, we're being current... Uh, but, you know, they're kind of in the wasteland, like it's new territory. And to me, it's it's perfect for the album because this is them going in a new direction, a different direction. And, uh, you know, it's ears. They want you to listen to their new direction. And this is what they're doing. And they recorded this at Stone Gossard's home studio from Pearl Jam. Uh, they got Toby Wright, who, you know, made some bones with Allison Chains. He made them bones. Uh you know what I mean? I mean, it was a different sound. It was them, like, struggling real hard to be contemporary because Promised Land didn't do anywhere near, uh, you know, what Empire and uh, Mindcrime did. So I think this this is a band really struggling to remain relevant in a chaotic time. You look back, I mean, even the years between uh, Promised Land and this, like, 94 to 97, music was changing so much at that time. It seems to me, at least nowadays... Music has been real stagnant the last, uh, you know, 20 or 15 years as far as what's popular. To me, it all seems the same where in the 80s and 90s, man, every couple years it was changing. Not always for the better, mind you, but it was rapidly changing. Uh, so taking this long in between albums, man, if you didn't have like a huge following, you know, you took a big ass chance. And I this... This chance didn't really pay off, I don't think. I also, to your point, Ian, about music, like popular music, how it's really all the same stuff for the last 20 years. And I think a, a large part of it is because of like what Napster and file sharing did, where now, band, unless like you can get someone in and out of a studio, have someone write their songs, and cost little money, you're not going to... A major label doesn't give anyone chances anymore. So oh, no, I, I agree. It's Lars forced everything right. underground. He absolutely was right, and I remember everyone shit on him for it. And, you know, the, I love Metallica. There's albums I hate, and I think that they made mishaps. But you know what, though? That guy was 100% right, and he was treated like an asshole just because he was rich. It wasn't about money. It was about if you make something, it's your art. You should have control over how right. it's distributed. I think when it comes to Lars, and, and I hate to agree with this motherfucker, but yeah. I, think, I think Andrew Jacobs was absolutely right. It's because Lars is uncircumcised. You know, Andrew Jacobs said, hey, I'm trying to suck a cock, not peel a banana. You know, <laughs> people don't like that shit. It's America. Get that shit trimmed. I'm telling you, Andrew, if you send me a message about that, I'm blocking you. 
<laughs> you, have, you haven't blocked him already? Wait, do, should I get... Can he weigh in? Should I have my son circumcised? That's what... PM me directly. Oh, my God. You didn't have your kid circumcised? He's not born, you maniac. Hey, uh, Nitro, you can circumcise him now. Try, try it with a coat hanger. <laughs> Was that too soon? <laughs> He's too big for that, I think, right now. <laughs> Use uh, one of those plastic ones. They're durable. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so back to the Queens right thing. Uh, who wants to take track one? I think Nitro should. Yeah, let him do it. Sign of the times. Uh, so the one thing I noticed too when I was, you know, leafing through the booklet when I first got this album, I was like, wow, Chris is all over this album, and it's kind of like Queen's Rake from Mind Crime to this album. It went like Jeff's direction, then Chris's, and then Jeff's again for Promised Land, and then Chris's. So uh, this was a song where really liked the song, loved the riffs. And the one thing I noticed about the sound, a lot of really melodic and hooky pre-choruses and chorus, and I think that's uh, a testament to Chris's writing. But again, the production really just threw me. Um, I, I really do love the chorus of this song with the, uh, it's almost like a breakdown with the acoustic car, uh, guitar chill down. Uh, really good song. Uh, it was a good way to open the album. Um, but it, again, it doesn't sound like how Queensryche has sounded, even through their you know, changing through the years. So, but I did like the song, Time of the Times. Good lyrics, too. Hell yeah, Ian. Uh, I dig it, man. I think it's a nice little dirty riff, uh, a good opener, a good single. I mean, this is something, you know, I remember specifically the first time I heard it working on a side job and it come, you know, we had a radio there and it came on. I was like, hey, this ain't too bad. But uh, yeah, it's, it's not Operation Mind Crime, but it was catchy. So, uh, I'll give him that. I think it's a good single, and if this comes on, you know, the the phone, the the shuffle, I don't fucking skip it. I dig it, but it is a little bit different. You can kind of see where they're going, but a good song is a good song, and I think it's a good song. It's an amazing, amazing song. I love this song so much. Uh, You know, talking about the ugly of the world. You know, the funny thing is, I saw, what was it that somebody said today? Um... Oh, man. Uh, somebody said today, I put up something about the wall. And somebody wrote, you know, I'm not one of these people that, to put a, 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 you know, a, a aluminum foil on my head. But, boy, this this uh, really does touch upon these times now with mother should I trust the government. And it's like, bro, the world has always been this ugly. Government has always sucked. You know, and uh, the, everything they're talking about in this song is goes on today. Goes on back then, except for maybe the church burnings. That may be the only thing that is more relevant on that one. But you know, everything about how you know hunger and you know famine and, and communism and oppression and you know diseases and murders—it's always been going on through the history of mankind. But uh, it ain't really the sign of time. But man, it's just the way they 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 add this to a catchy tune. You know, it's fucking, you know, it's more like, hey, man, you know, with this good, cool, mid-paced groove that is, I, I think the, the the winning point in this song is how it just stops and goes into that really cool, you know, accented acoustic session, uh, section of the song with, you know, 
Would someone please let me know how we have spun out of control? I love that. That part's my favorite part of the whole it's song. It's such a different chorus, too, than you're used to hearing. Because that's the actual chorus. Like, it's almost like a breakdown. Yeah, it's a breakdown, and it's so different than the rest of the song. But yet, it fits it perfectly, you know? And uh, to me, this is a, a, a great fucking Queensryche single that... That would have done so much better if it was the first single from Promised Land because they're they were already on that you know uh, Empire put them up on that perch that I think this would have done way better if it was uh, if it was on Promised Land but by this time this came out you know no band from the 80s could get arrested at this point you know so no matter what they did uh, if they would have released Operation Mindcrime during this time it wouldn't have done as good as it did back then. Which, by the way, Operation Mindcrime didn't do well till they released the video for Eyes of a Stranger. You know, that's what blew them up. And that video came out, I don't know, a good six to eight months after the album release. Because when Operation Mindcrime came out, I was like, dude, this is a fucking masterpiece. And nobody cared. The only time I ever saw any kind of promotion for it was MTV showed a commercial for Operation Mindcrime. Oh, you know, the critics agree. It was like a critics loved album, but a lot of people didn't catch on. And they even opened for Metallica. Dude, by the time they opened for Metallica, I don't even think that that video was out yet. I could no, be wrong. E- no, you're right. EMI was ready to pull them off the road. And, you know, it sold more than Rage for Order, as Jeff Tate said. And they were just kind of incrementally getting a little bit bigger. And they're like, well, the album's run its course. Let's get you guys in a studio. And then when the video hit, it just opened them wide yeah, open. It, it uh, became for, and, huge. Yeah. It became fucking... And people started listening to that album going, holy fuck, you know? So that's that's my point. If this would have been... Minecraft would have been released at this point. Uh, with the same type of promotion EMI gave this album, it wouldn't have stand, stood a chance. But anyway, I love Sign of Times. I think it's an amazing song. I'll go to the next one, Cuckoo's Nest. Um, you know, I used to hate this song way back then. But you know, hearing it now, I still hate it. Uh, <laughs> the, the verses are okay. Kind of Alice in Chains-ish, in a way. Uh, but the rest is just piss poor uh, to these ears. I, I, I really couldn't get into Cuckoo's Nest. What about you, Ian? Uh, well, this is the one you and me were talking before we reviewed this. I was like, yeah, there's some stuff I really like on there, but there's some shit, too. And he's like, and you were like, oh, yeah, you better not like that cuckoo's nest bullshit. And I got to say, I don't mind this one. Uh, it's not a standout track, but I, I definitely like it more than you. But, uh, you know, my thing is, where's the metal Queen's Rike? You know, that, that's what I'm missing. There's some good songs here. Uh, and I would call this a good song. I would call it a great song, but I call it a good song. But where is the fucking metal? But around this time, metal is a fucking dirty word, and I think they're playing it safe here. And that that's what I don't like, the middle-of-the-road bullshit. Uh, but I think there's far worse shit on here, and I think there's better shit on here. But this is just kind of playing it safe and staying contemporary. And I think that's what killed Queensryche. Uh, and there's a lot of bands that suffered from this. And I, I think some bands were killed commercially and some bands were killed uh, artistically. Like, I think Metallica was killed artistically with One. And I love One. I love that fucking song. To the hard but horse, it, by the way. You have to stress that. But it, but it opened them up to, like, 
okay, now all these new people are coming in that like this. So they change and they write towards the new people. For Metallica, it worked financially and popularity-wise. But for every band, uh, you know, for every Metallica, there's 50 other bands that try to service the masses that suffer. And I think with Queensryche, uh, that happened with Silent Lucidity. It kind of took them into this whole other genre where people who didn't like Mindcrime love that song. I'll never forget, I'm in a record store where I always used to hang out Chicago Records. And this guy comes in asking for the new Pink Floyd. And he was talking about Queensryche. He thought it was fucking Pink Floyd. Uh, so I think <laughs> Silent, Silent Lucidity killed fucking Queensryche because then you see they make, the, you know, the next album is a fucking album of fucking Silent Lucidities. And and they, they start second guessing and then like, oh, we got to keep up with the new kids on the block kind of shit. Not the band, but, you know, the fucking... The trends, and I think I think Queensrÿche suffered by not staying with the sound they were building on. Even though they always had a weird, different kind of sound, uh, to me, they they never got out of that silent lucidity bullshit until they got rid of Jeff Tate. Because I, I love yeah. the two, I love the two new albums. To me, they sound you know even though you know they're not better than fucking Mindcrime. It's Queensrÿche though. But yes, it sounds more like the Queensrÿche I want to hear. And there's a which lot is, of it, which is song. still progressive, though, Ian. It's yeah, still progressive yeah, and changing. Yeah. No, and and and, and hey, uh, even even on the shitty fucking Queensrÿche albums, there's still a song here or there that I like, but doesn't necessarily fall into what I think of when I think Queensrÿche. And I like there's a couple songs I really love on that one album that everybody really hates, that dedicated to chaos or whatever. Oh my god, really? There, there's a couple songs I love on there, and the ones that I love are probably some of the most universally hated songs. But I like them. But it's still not what I want out of Queensryche. And Cuckoo's Nest is, it, it kind of reminds me of that, because it's, you know, it's not revolutionary, even though I like the song, but it's like, god damn, this isn't what I want out of Queensryche. It's kind of like, uh, the, you know, Kiss. Uh, there's songs I love on uh, Unmasked. But that's not the Kiss sound to me. That's not what I want out of the band, regardless of what I think of the song. That's not what I buy a Kiss record for. And Queensryche kept doing that, you know, in second guessing, and it only got worse once the Garma was going. But uh, I know that's a it's a long version of that song. But uh, I think they went yeah. to shit with, uh, with Empire because I think uh, I think before I before I, before Empire. They were very revolutionary. They weren't really following any trends. Other than the EP. The EP, they started out like a cool metal Iron Maiden meets Jesus Priest. But man, the warning was so groundbreaking and original. And so was Rachel Order. And to to a lesser extent, Minecraft, because Minecraft did have some traditional metal in it. But Empire, they just went all over the map. I think that was well, their ego running wild. Yeah, no, I agree. I almost see Empire like I see Use Your Illusions. It's a band trying too hard, too yeah. quick to show you how smart they are. Yeah. And, 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 and in the process, losing the point of why you love them. I think Queensryche, up until uh, Mindcrime, was a natural progression. You know, yes. it wasn't interfered with. with exactly. With, when they get a little bit of like, okay, and then they're like, all right, now we're going to dazzle you with how smart we are. And that's where I think they, they lose the point. And I like Empire a little bit more than you. But uh, still, it's nothing compared to what came before because 
they're trying too hard. You know, the, the pretentiousness is just shining through, and you don't have the songs to back it up. I, I, I during the Empire years, I, I went around going, "Boy, this album is pure yuppie metal." And, and remember, I, I, remember that word yuppie back in the day? Yes, I yeah, did. Everyone was a downhill skier in the '90s. I remember. Yeah, and that's how I felt like this album was a, a yuppie album. Yeah, it, it, it's a, like a Queensrÿch fan with a fucking fanny pack that has the Queensrÿch logo on there it. There you go, like a hipster album today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoever listens, whoever loves that era, has a fucking beard right now when they drink fucking craft beers. <laughs> you know, I didn't realize, Ian. I didn't realize Queensrÿch did a cover of Parental Guidance on Dedicated to Chaos. I didn't realize <laughs> that's why. Oh. That's why. That's why you liked it. Oh, 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 hey, don't get me started with Queen's Dragon covers. You ever hear that fucking undercover shit? Me and Ralph saw that too. Uh, oh, yeah, it was uh, terrible. Saw the tour. Holy cow. I mean, I heard too. I'm like, nope, I'm this. I, it's just like, I lot after, um. Yeah, yeah, they would have been better off covering Parental Guidance than some of the shit that's on that album. I absolutely I love their cover of Scarborough Fair, though. Oh, oh. love it. Oh. Love it. Well, it was, I, I'm, I'm prejudiced to that because I fucking can't stand Simon and Garfunkel. Oh, I love Simon and Garfunkel. The oh. only Simon and Garfunkel cover I like is Nevermore Sound of Silence because it doesn't sound yeah. like Simon and Garfunkel. <laughs> I, I'm against both of you guys. You both are wrong. <laughs> That's my impression of Scott Bream. Oh, or Tim Bream. Whatever the fuck is Who's Scott Bream? <laughs> Uh, so I was thinking of I was thinking of the owner of the, the that metal station. <laughs> I was just kidding. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was my long-winded review of Cuckoo's Nest. I would love to hear what you think, Nitroglycerin. I'll keep it a little bit shorter. So I agree with Ralph, except flip-flop a couple things. I hate the verse because it reminds me, if you listen to it now, it's definitely a dated, uh, for that time, 90s generic rock riff. You know, that all the uh, Seattle bands and... Not even Seattle bands, but just anything that was like contemporary on the radio. But I do actually really love the choruses and pre-choruses. I think those are great. Uh, I'm just the opposite of Ralph. I hate the verse, but like the chorus. Um, but I feel it, it's a B-side type of song. I feel it's kind of a retread of Sign of the Times. It's just not a good, as good of a version. Lyrics aren't as good as Sign of the Times. Yeah. Uh, so and that's I, how I feel about that one. Know, and one short thing I'd like to add is it probably not the best song to put at number two. You know what I mean? You kind of want to build the album up a little bit. It's too it, samey. Yeah, it's a, it's a big drop off from the first track. Well, Ian, what do you think of Get a Life? Oh, Get a Life. Get a fucking song. Oh, my God. Is this shit horrible? Boring as fuck. Uh, you know, and, and this is one of those. I, I remember. Uh, I'll go ahead and give a fucking spoiler alert. You know, I didn't hear this album in its entirety until years after. And the first time I listened to it. I really kind of dug it. I was like, oh, okay. This, this ain't that bad. This ain't that bad. And and as I'm listening to it this morning, like three times this morning, I'm like, oh, my God, can this shit get any more bland and fucking boring and sign of the times? You fucking ain't right because it is of the fucking times. Uh, and, and, and just, you know, their fucking alternative album. And uh, this one is just like, where is the fucking song here? I mean... How can a band that did something as mind-blowing as Mind Crime? I still think, I, I think it is the best concept album ever fucking recorded. Totally agree. And and by that, I'm not saying it's better than The Wall. I'm saying as a concept, as a storytelling album, 
it is the greatest. I, I love it. It set the bar so fucking high. But, man, I mean, I, again, I said, you know, a band that built themselves up to it the right way through touring, through natural progression and everything. And, and then to see him put out something as fucking, you know, lifeless as this, like, you, you know, is, is it, I could hear this on a fucking Seven Mary Three album, you know, and I would rather hear fucking uh, that Seven Mary Three song than this shit. Very fucking boring. Were they the Superman's Dead band? No, that was Our Lady Peace. That was. <laughs> yeah, what, they're oh all the same. They're all the same. What was that? Cumbersome. I'd rather hear Cumbersome than this fucking shit. You know, this. I mean, oh man, it, it's such a such a talented band. I mean, there's some great musicians in this, and you brought up a great point. You know, looking at the writing credits of this, uh, there's. You know, if you read into all the fucking drama, they're almost like fucking. Uh, you know, Fleetwood Mac-esque in the amount of drama in this band, but it seems like after Mind Crime, the rest of the band, besides the Garmo and Tate, just kind of like, okay, we're just going to show up for the money train, but not contribute that much. Now, is that truly the case, or were their songs just being denied in, in favor of the Garmo and Tate's material? But, you know, you see shit like this it's like where's the rest of the band on this where's their fuck where's the metal input i just see degarmo and tate on this shit i mean from what i can see and what i've read degarmo and tate have always been the two primary songwriters as well as probably creative driving forces but i think what happened once they got bigger and bigger i just think it kind of happens like a band will sometimes gravitate one against one or two guys and then you know how they were very collaborative even though DeGarmo and Tate were writing a majority of the first four albums uh, I mean Michael Wilton is all over the first three albums in the EP too and I think and you know and I noticed that when I first got this one he's even all over Promised Land too more than he was on Empire to be to be fair um, and I was just like it's just missing that third voice sometimes sometimes you need that third or second person to kind of balance things off and just give you your music a little more diversity and flair like um that's what made i thought i thought bruce and adrian going back to maiden such a important part for maiden to kind of break up the overall direction steve takes them it yeah, gives you something and, and I, different I wish, to listen to i wish they would make a difference because it all yeah, sounds like it don't, work, it don't work nitro hey right. hey hey Anyway, what do you think? What do you think of "Get a Life" there, Nitro? I, when I first got the album, really liked this song. I thought it was something that Jeff. Uh, I like Jeff's vocals a lot in this one, and I listened to it again a few times when you said we we're going to do this album. And guess what, Ian? I still like it. I don't know why. I can see why you don't like it, but I always dug it because you know what? It's a little heavier than a lot of stuff on this album. And I feel it's a little bit more inspired. The one thing I did notice about this album, I feel Jeff kind of mails it in. Is anyone else with me on this one, vocally? Uh, on this song? Or on this album in general. It just doesn't feel like, Jeff doesn't feel inspired like he did on the, all the previous. Even if you don't like Promised Land, at least like there's some, he emotes a little bit. I just feel this album is very stagnant in his vocal delivery. Well, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you my opinion on a song coming up. All right, but, but I mean, I still like this song. I can see why someone wouldn't like this song. It's it. I guess it does sound a little bit dated, but it's got a little bit of fire that some, most of this album doesn't have, in my opinion. 
Well, I happen to agree with you, Nitro. I don't hate this song at all, actually. Uh, I have not heard this in so long, and because uh, when we were going to do this album, I said, yeah, I, I, I've, I've heard it a lot, so I, I'm very well-versed on the album. But shit, I haven't heard it in so long, let me put it on, because I live my life on shuffle. Unless the album's new or it's a classic album I always love hearing, uh, I don't go back to, you know, like, hearing it out frontier. Unless something comes on my shuffle, like Sign of the Times did not too long ago. I was, God, this is such a good song. Anyway, so hearing Get a Life, I laughed when it began because you guys got a, you guys now, when I'm going to say this, you're going to see the similarities. I bon never Jovi. real, yes. <laughs> the talk box. <laughs> bon, no, the Bon Jovi song, It's My Life. Oh my God, that's true. You that's know how, how it, It's My Life starts? It's yeah, just. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like get a life, but which that's is that weird. Bon Jovi's like talk box, but yeah. this was if Bon Jovi wrote a song with a little bit more balls, though. To be fair, <laughs> but this song, um, you know, I think it's uh, you know, they did it way better than "It's My Life." I, I like this way more than "It's My Life," uh, and the rest. While I do think it's an amazing song, actually, I think the chorus is kind of lazy. You know. Uh, you know, you gotta get alive. Gotta, gotta it's, get alive. It's, it's kind of repetitious and lazy, but the rest, you know, is pretty damn rocking. I dig it for, for the most part. So I'll go to the next one. Um, the Voice Inside. I, I like the way this one moves along. I dig the riffs and the guitar effect. Of, uh, I can't really expand too much on this one because I find it difficult for some reason, you know, to explain why I like this song, it's just, I gotta just say, it's 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 kind of like a feel-good tune, and I just dig it. That's pretty much all I gotta say about, you know, uh, the voice inside. What do you think, uh, Nitro? Uh, this is easily one of my favorite songs on the album. Uh, really great lyrics from Chris. It's got that lap, I think it's a lap steel guitar you're talking about, that slide guitar kind of yeah, um, yeah. sound. Uh, I really love, there's a lot of dynamic in this song. I love how it kind of gets a little heavy. <laughs> Fucking Ian. <laughs> like, I love like Oh, it'll be two against one. Don't worry about it. It gets a little heavier. Like, it it, gets, it rocks a little harder in the bridge. I just think it, see, Queensryche doesn't, to me, isn't a band I always look to to be a heavy band. Like, I appreciate them as songwriters. And so, while... I gravitate more towards their metal sound. A song like The Voice Inside, objectively, I just think it's a great song. It's a well-structured song, and I think Chris did a good job with it. Ian, tell me why Parental Guidance is better, please. <laughs> yeah. D- Dynamics. I'd care more about this song if it was about Dianetics. This shit is fucking horrible. Is this fucking Candlebox? God damn. This, this shit is so fucking boring and bland I, I i you guys lost me on this one the voice inside my head says if you slap eddie on the cover of this euro trash and michael glammeyer would say it's great uh oh my god this uh where's fucking queen's where there is nothing here that sounds like fucking queen's right yeah like uh you know, prono guidance is total electric eye ah god i'd rather hear no, that no 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 you know, Ian's just bitter because his parents chewed him up because he stayed out late. That's right. I don't <laughs> like that shit. Oh, this horrible song. Horrible song. All right, what do you think of the next one? Some People Fly. Some People Fly. Oh, my God. Has everything I hate about ballads in this song. 
but goddamn is this shit gorgeous. I I and I hate shit that's fucking inspirational and shit. But goddamn, this song damn near inspires me. I, I think this is a beautifully written song. Uh, wow, where did this come from? Again, this, this isn't really what I want on this album. I want to hear some fucking metal. But a goddamn great song is a great song. And I think this is fucking one of the best, you know, at least the best ballads they ever did. I think this song is absolutely beautiful musically, lyrically. I, you know, I, I love what Garmo plays on it. I love the way Jeff Tate sounds on it. Uh, there's so much shit I want to hate on this, but I can't, dude. I, I, I think this is a really, really good song. So far, the best on the album. I love it. What do you yeah. think, Nitro? Yeah, go ahead, Nitro. Uh, I would agree with Ian. This is when this again. When I was listening to this for the first time, like, man, this doesn't sound like Queensrÿche. And now, retrospectively, it it sounds like a Chris Sagarmo probably solo album. If Jeff Tate were to help him here and there with it, but I'm, you know talking about inspirational you know a song can strike a nerve when it gets ian to get up before noon on a weekend i just i applaud it and i think it's a i'm with you though ian all jokes aside it's a really well-structured song it just fits like it's not like you said the heavier queens right but it's as a song it's amazing i think it's an amazing uplifting quasi ballady rock type of tune. Again, it's... I, I say it shits all over fucking Silent Lucidity. I'd rather hear this than Silent Lucidity. Oh, yeah, I agree. And I mean, you know, it's funny you brought up Silent Lucidity in one. I never used to think of them synonymously, but you know, you're right. They were happy accidents that propelled a band to go, oh, maybe should we do more of this? Uh, because I, I think Silent Lucidity was written with no ulterior motives to be huge. I just think it was a song Chris wrote because it's very different than what's on. Oh yeah, no, no, I I, 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 believe that one hundred percent too. But when people caught on to it, they're like, "Oh, so I, I see the bridge." Yep, as, yeah, try, bridge. as, as trying to do a, another one, and and don't get me wrong, I love the bridge, but I just seem like, "Fuck, we gotta, we gotta get that sat lucidity money," you know. I feel that and out of mind, which you know, I a problem. Out of mind, my... fucking rules. That's the other song I absolutely. When I said no, earlier late... about promise Land, two songs I like. Out of mind, and Lady fuck- Jane we talked about too. That's a great out, one too. Out of Out of Mind is a ballad, but it's twisted as all fuck. You know? I don't even remember it. It's out the one about like a about, mental institution. Yeah, like yeah. a girl in a mental institution, and it's really eerie. It's an eerie, eerie ballad. Got uh, to check it out. But it's I, awesome. but I love this one. On to you, Ralph. Well, um, I don't know what you guys are talking about because Queen's always had ballads on every fucking album, and they all rule. Uh, in the early days, like Killing Words, I Will Remember, Lady War Black, uh, what's the one off Minecraft? There's a couple off Minecraft. Uh, so it doesn't surprise me to have some mellowness on, on Queensryche. And this one is definitely one of my favorite songs from Queensryche, period. You know, it's a ballad with an edge. And, you know, unlike Ian there, I love songs with positive lyrics, you know? And this is at the height of grunge, you know? Much welcome. To people like me that didn't hate myself and wanted to die, you know, it's a beautiful fucking song. And when I saw this tour, they ended the show with this song, which was great. And uh, another side note, which I thought was very smart of Queensryche to do, on the Empire tour, they ended the show with Silent Lucidity. Because you know most people there were there for Silent Lucidity. It's like, 
We know what you want to hear, but you're gonna listen to the whole Minecraft album. I know. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna play a lot. Roads to Madness they played that night. My favorite Queensrÿche song ever. Um, you know, and they played a lot. You know, it's like you're gonna listen to what Queensrÿche really is, and then we'll reward you at the end with the song you came here for. And uh, I guess I mean, though this wasn't a single or anything, but I thought it was kind of gutsy for them to end the show with this song and which was I was very happy because this is pre-internet I didn't know the set list so when they ended with the song because I've always loved Some People Fly I always thought there was something so special about this song it was so you know I mean because I haven't heard a song with positive lyrics in, in over a decade already everything was sad and gloomy and shit you know there was no you know fucking uh, magic power or you know fight the good fighting or I am I'm me you know, uh, very different than this song. But lyrically, you know, this is a song about, you know, fucking grab onto your dream. And, you know, and this is at the height. This is this is even during the time Dio was like, fuck the future. Yeah. You know, <laughs> angry machines. You know, it's like, fuck hungry for heaven. Uh, but um, anyway, so I'll take the next one called Saved. Um, I think this one is a badass song. Killer drumming, an Eastern vibe with that sitar. And he, usually I hate sitars. But I love the sitar on this. I love the screaming chorus. It's pretty much all over the place, but I'm hanging on to every direction it takes. It's a great rocking song. I give this one two thumbs up. I think Saved is another one of the highlights on this album. What do you think, uh, Ian? Uh, I think this shit should have been saved for a fucking uh, Jeff Tate solo album. I don't know, to, to me, it's boring as shit. What is this, Bush? Uh, uh, again, this is them all over the map. Even even the songs that I like on this so far, which would be Sometimes Cuckoo's Nest and Voice, I mean, uh, Some People Fly, I'm, I'm still waiting for Queensryche. I haven't got Queensryche yet. Uh, and this is just like, ugh. You know, at this point, I'll take Q2K over this album. Oh, get the fuck out of here. And well, that's you know, what... and look, look, and I'm not saying this because you know me. I don't care if you like a song or right. hate a song I like or vice versa. But I, I got to say this, and it's quite obvious. If You got to remember, Queensryche never repeats their albums. Like, if you're listening to... Yes, the, I, and, I let, let, let me say this, and I even said this when I first heard it, though I didn't hate it. The first time I heard the warning, I was like, this ain't Queensryche. You know, because right. I was so used to the EP. And then I heard Rage for Water. I was like, this ain't the warning or the EP. Queensryche Queensryche are chameleons, you know? So every time I put on a Queensryche album back then, now I just don't give a fuck. Well, uh, the last album I loved a lot, uh, Conditioned Human, and the one before it was good too. Uh, The self-title. That's a great point, Ralph, though. I mean, you absolutely nailed it there. They are all different. I guess at this point, oh, I was just wanting more of the past but they kind of uh and you and you get it and you get it with the last two albums well ralph is right to a point once the garma left in it was just tate um q2k is a i you know i know we're going off topic but i feel it's like a retread of this album just not as good and i think with tate tate's reich um they they weren't very i mean their sound i guess was diverse in the sense it went from shitty to shittier but it, it's not daring like it used to be i missing when dagarmo left i mean he left a huge huge void in this band whether you liked where they went after mind crime or not 
Yeah, no, true. I mean, uh, I mean, like I said, I like the couple songs off Empire and, and uh, Promise Land. I just like this one more than the last two because of songs like Saved and Some People Fly and uh, right. Sign of Time. And my favorite we haven't even talked about yet. But anyway, what do you think of you, Nitro? This is where this is a CD era track for me. Uh, it's it, I had a hard time getting into it. It's okay. It just, I feel it's kind of more of the same. It's a filler track to me. It could be a B-side. If I was, you know, pressing an album for 1980, it wouldn't make it on this album. So it's okay. Uh, not a big fan. Ian? Uh, I couldn't fucking disagree more. This is tied for my favorite track on the song, on the album. What? Uh, I think it's fucking catchy as fuck. It was the second single off the album. But I never heard this shit on the radio. I, I heard Sign of the Times, uh, you know, that, well, I'm living, I'm in the Orlando area around this right. time. I, I heard Sign of the Times, never heard fucking you. Uh, but I just think this is catchy as fuck. And again, this is still not what I'm wanting. Uh, you know, I want some fucking metal. I want some Operation Mindcrime shit. This is miles away from that. But I just think this is catchy as fuck. I really, really like this song. I like it better than Sign of the Times, and I, I love Sign of the Times, but I think this one's even better. And and to me, this, if I would have heard this album, I'd be like, okay, this is a single. This is a single. It's fucking catchy. Let's do this. But, uh, you know, if you guys heard on local radio, better for you. I mean, you know, radio in Orlando was fucking horrible. Horrible. Uh... But if I would have heard this one, I probably would have bought the album when it came out. But uh, right. I, I didn't. Same, same thing upstate New York. Like, I only heard Sign of the Times. And I, even nowadays, classic rock. That's why I, I can't listen to the song Living After Midnight or You Got Nothing Coming. I've heard they're on, they're like on full rotation all the time. Oh, yeah. I these agree songs. With those. Just it makes me want to blow my brains out. I love oh. those songs. Anyway, yeah. uh, you. <laughs> was played to death on radio back then. Really? Played really? to death, yes. Uh, I think it was played to death so much for it to promote the show. Because I remember, look, the girl I was seeing that I was talking about earlier, she lived in New York. She flew in, me and her hung out on the beach. Everywhere we fucking turned, we heard you on the radio. They played it to death. I'm not, I don't remember, it's been so long that you know they kept playing it after they played the show. But I remember it was played to death. And it's a pop song with some balls. And I agree with Ian on this one. Very catchy. A little too straightforward for Queensryche, actually. It, this is nothing. Queensryche's never been this straightforward on a song. You know, and it stays on one path. And it just works for me. I absolutely love you, Ian. Mwah. Oh, I love you, too. The chorus right. is great. I will say that, though. Upside down, inside, inside out for you. I love <laughs> that. And I love the way the, the Scott's playing the drums. Just Yo, let's, one let's beat. It's on the road. It's yeah. great. Oh, yeah, don't awesome. backtrack, Terrence. You already said it sucks. No, I, th I said this would be Let's take this on the road. <laughs> three, the, the three tremors. <laughs> All right. Uh, Ian, what do you think of Hero? Hero. Another goddamn slow song, and another song on this album I love. Uh, <coughs> uh, very surprised, you know, like 
even when it, when it starts up, okay, you can tell the tempo right away. I was like, oh, God, no, no, no. Where is Operation Mindcrime? Where is Revolution Calling? You know, that's what I'm thinking when, when it first starts out. But then as the song progresses, I was like, fuck, I really like this. And I'll, I'll be surprised to hear what you think of it, Ralph, because to me, this song reminds me very much musically uh, of Stone Temple Pilots which I happen to fucking love, and maybe that's part of the love, but I just love the guitar on this. Reminds me very much of something, you know, DeLeo would play. Um, I really, really like this song, but again, uh, I'm waiting for something different, but I'm going to take the good songs where I can get them because there's, you know, there's slow songs on here that I absolutely love, but I'm still wanting to metal. But again, a good song is a good song, and I love Hero. Well, I hate Stone Temple Pilots. Other than Vaseline, I like that song. Uh, maybe because I like it up the ass. Okay. But uh, this song is boring. Uh, it's not a total suck fest, but it's not great in any shape or form. I think it's a clunker on this album. I could care less for this song. What do you think, Nitro? Uh, I'm going to probably be the glue. I'm going to go between you two guys. I think it's... I never thought of Stone Temple Pilots. I thought it was kind of like an homage to pink floyd almost in a way i'm not saying it's as good as pink floyd of course but it's definitely a come down from the upbeat you whether you know i think that song's still fillery but you know compared to how that song is very poppy and and then you're like oh man it's, it's like really dragged down uh there's times when it's it's one of those songs again like these last two songs i feel are kind of filling up the album and it just again cd era i probably you know if i Again, I feel this is a B-side. I don't, it just, it feels too Chris Agarmo soul. It's, it doesn't sound like a Queensryche song to me. I don't hear the, you know, even on the mellower songs or the not as heavy songs, I don't hear the Mack Truck, Eddie Jackson bass or the Scott Rockenfield drums. It just, it's not a Queensryche song to me. Well, well, what did you think of Miles Away then? <laughs> I actually like that song. Uh, I do like Miles Away. It's different, but it's got... There's enough in there where it sounds more like a band instead of just one... Even though it is just written by Chris Agarmo. I like the chorus, and I like the lyrics a lot. It's That one's kind of upbeat to me. Like, it's similar to you. I can see where someone might be like, it might be a retread of you. Uh, but it's definitely miles better than Hero. But I'm pretty sure I'd rather hear Miles Away by fucking Winger than this shit. Uh, boring as shit. Is this fucking Edie Brickell? What the fuck is this shit? Fucking horrible. Do not like this song. Uh, man, I, I can't believe I, I thought better of this album than I actually do now. I am not a fan of this. What did you guys think? Did you like it? I was well, well uh, uh, Nitro liked it. Um, uh, I, I don't uh, think it's as lame as Hero, but it's lame. Uh, uh, I find I find it to be a toller filler and not killer filler. It's just not a good song. Um, I'll go to the next one. It's called Reach. And I think this song is back on track here. I dig the riffage. It's a good and killer groove throughout. I love the groove on this song. And it's uh, uh, one of my favorites on here. What do you think, Nitro? Uh, I would agree. Finally, Michael Wilton steps up and gives this a little bit of balls to this album. Um, he's always been... Like when you look at, for me, like I, I've always noticed he's more the metal guitar player, 
uh, more hard rock writer. Like he just writes some more straightforward driving stuff. But I do. I love the groove, love the lyrics. This is easily top three on the album. Reach has always been and still is one of my favorites from this one. Awesome. You, Ian? I'd rather get a reach around from fucking Pearl Jam. This well, is that's because they're gay. Oh, well, well there's, there is that. Well, I'm uh, uh, No, no, this one does absolutely fucking nothing to me. I was I was getting excited, uh, you know, because I'm looking, I'm looking at the credits and everything while I'm listening to the album. I'm like, oh, finally, Michael Wilton shows up. Okay, okay, maybe this will be good. Maybe this will be metal. Yeah, yeah, doesn't do a fucking fiddler shit for me. Well, Andrew Jacobs just PM me. He's he thought you mentioned him, Ian. Oh, 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 yeah, I did say piece of shit. So yes, Andrew, Andrew Jacobs, Jacobs, you found your way into this episode. Andrew Jacobs, don't write me about Nitro either. All right, yeah. Ian, what yeah. do you and think? And stop writing Chris Sinzak. He keeps writing Chris Sinzak about me too. Oh boy, jokes yeah, on I, you. Chris doesn't should, know who yeah. I am. It's not me calling you, dumbass. Your number's on Facebook. All everybody in the fucking page is calling you, leaving fucking bad messages and just fucking hanging up on you. For Get the record, it. I never did. Pussy. And for the record, Tim Bream, never give your number out. <laughs> oh damn. <laughs> All right. Well, Ian, what do you think of the next one, which is DeGarmo's first lead vocals on any oh. track album? Oh my god! It, it, you know, automatically I'm thinking like, is this gonna be that like uh, fucking Eddie Van Halen's? How may I say? I don't know. All I fucking want. All I want is more songs with fucking Chris DeGarmo on it, because I love this song. This is tied for my favorite song on the fucking album. This is one that is universally hated and made fun of by fans. I love the Beatlesque Elton John piano feel of this. Again, sounds nothing like fucking Queensryche, but a good song is a good song. I absolutely love this one. I mean, if, if they had a whole album of shit like this, fucking sign me up. I'd buy it in a fucking heartbeat. You know, and, and uh, Nitroglycerin keeps saying, sounds like something off a of Chris DeGarmo solo album. Well, who knows? We never heard a Chris DeGarmo solo album. But it, I tell you what, if it sounded like this, first day fucking buyer. Love it. I love, love, love this fucking song. What do you think, Ralph? Oh, man. It's so distant from a Queensryche song, I will admit. It sounds like a 70s song with a 90s production. A total love song at it. Almost a power pop song. And I absolutely agree with you, man. I love this song. I think it's great. It's a cool tune. And that's because I love Cheap Trick, and sh- even though it sounds yes. not like Cheap Trick. But it's got that, se- no, like you said, like that Elton John-ish 70s. And I'm a 70s kid. As yeah. you know, everything was better in the 70s. And, uh, you know, but it does sound like a 90s production, which I, I don't mind. Uh, yes, it's a cool fucking song. I love it. What you- and, and yeah, it's an eye-opener. I had no idea people were goofing on the song. Weird. Uh, what do you think, Nitro? Put it on the board. All three of us agree. We're all rocking around the world, turbo wow. style. Yeah. Lo- love this song. It was, when I first heard it, I'm like, what the hell? I was like, oh, that's not Jeff. And Jeff doesn't even do any of the backups. Jeff is literally not on this song at all. Um, I It's definitely Beatles. That's why I, uh, Ian took the, the words right out of my mouth. It, it sounded very homage to Elton John, who 
to me is the better piano songwriter than Billy Joel, but that's a different argument. We can have another day. Uh, and very Beatles. I love this song to death. I remember reading Jeff, and this is, I made a point earlier in the episode saying how I feel Jeff sometimes mails it in on some of these songs. And Jeff was even saying when Chris approached him about doing this song, he was so indifferent because this is really a personal song uh, that Chris wrote. But I just don't, I don't think in the early days, Jeff would have, I think Jeff would have said, no, let me do it. But he was just like, whatever, kind of. But interesting story behind it. But I love this song. Very, very Beatlesque. And again, if yeah, I would love a Chris Agarmo solo album with shit like this. Absolutely. Me and Ian, first day buyers. Bam. Yeah, I'd buy it too, dude. What? I'd give this song three lattes because it's Seattle. Bam, bam. I love you, Bill. Ouch. All right. Uh, well, what do you think of the next one? Hit the black, Michael. Oh, well. I don't know if you guys know this. Hit the Black is actually a song that Justin Childers saw. He thought Queensryche had finally... He was reading the album. was like, yo, Queensryche finally was shedding their silly liberal ways. Was excited. And then he heard the lyrics and was like, wait, this isn't about being a black people. And instantly returned the, the, the song. <laughs> oh, I like me, that. But me, oh, this man. is the, my second favorite song of the album. Balls, Groove... Great lyrics. Jeff is on fire. Fucking love this one. Put it on the board. Bam. What do you think, Ian? Uh, well, I think that's a great just Joker's joke. And, 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 oh, is that a joke? Yeah, oh. <laughs> well, no, it, it's funny because uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, I recently started talking to Justin Childers again, and he donated uh, to the Rock and Pot Expo. Ralph said, fuck that shit. I saw his post. Yeah. Return it. He he said, fuck that shit. I'm sending his money back. And, uh, you know, I I thought it was great that he sent money, but he's like, hey, I only got one request. Just, I don't care what album you do as long as it's not black metal. And and by that, I think he meant Living Color. Living Color. Absolutely. (laughs) I don't want your uh, new Jack City. (laughs) But hit the black. Uh... Hey, Scott Weiland called. He wants his megaphone back. Uh, but it's okay. It, it's it's not a bad song, but man, this is them trying to be current. And you can tell they're listening to radio or maybe radio executives or label executives. Because uh, there's nothing that's Queensryche about this song, but it's total fucking STP. Uh, you know, to me, it's not as good as STP. But on this album, I'll take it because it's at least... Uh, a step heavier and uh hey eddie jackson gets involved so there you go all right eddie jackson thanks for showing up not a great song but not a horrible song but not a queen's right song what do you think ralph hands down my favorite track off the album favorite wow. track great wow. heavy track everything about this song rules hard unlike stone temple pilots i love the fucking voice vocal effects the cool bridge the killer chorus the awesome middle section. They hit the mark on Hit the Black. This song fucking rules. It ruled from the first time I ever heard it. I go, the first time I heard this album complete, I go, Hit the Black. It just grabbed me the first time I heard it. Now listening to it after all these years, I hear that song come in and it's just like, Population Greed, the way he's like constantly talking during it. Fucking awesome, man. I absolutely love it. And I would have to say it's in my top 10. 
all-time yeah. favorite Queen Drake song. It's got that great but, Eddie Jackson pounding groove. Imagine if this album had like a better production, like uh, a Promisely in Production or Empire. This song would be, it'd be everyone's favorite. It's a balls-out song. All right. Uh, what do you think of Anytime, Anywhere, Ian? I'd rather hear any other song than this fucking song. Oh, my God. It's so bland. Now I'm like, I'm like, really? Is this fucking album over yet? You know, because after Hit the Black, which, you know, I didn't hate, but I'm like, oh, God, it's such a fucking grunge ripoff. I'm like, oh, God, give me something Queensryche, and this is nothing Queensryche. So I'm just like, Let, let's end this shit already. Let's end it. You know, actually, at this point, I'm looking forward to the bonus tracks. You know, which uh, I, I, I don't know. Do you have those, Ralph? No. Uh, okay. well, na- well, maybe. I do. Not, name them. I think I own the Sign of the Time single. Okay. Uh, name, name the songs, I'll tell you. Well, I, I, I mean... Chasing the, Blue Sky. Yeah, Chasing yes, Blue Sky. Yes, I like that song. Yeah, yeah Chase, Chasing Blue Sky is the only, like, really... other. The rest are all live. It's but, from uh, the um, MTV Unplugged. I yes. do own it. I do own yes. it. Yes. Yeah, Killing Words, I think, is on there. Yes, Killing Words, oh I remember. God, those and songs si- are so good. And Silent Lucidity. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. anytime, anywhere. Yeah, isn't, isn't the cover like kids playing on a playground? Yeah. Oh, I yeah. Have, around, yeah, I have that around, CD. Around the jar with the ear in it. Yes, yes, I have that CD. Yeah, but anytime, anywhere is, is a fucking turd. Uh, the greatest thing, though, is it's the shortest song on the album, so that spares me. What do, what do you think, Nitroglycerin? This song is easily my least favorite. I don't like it at all. It kind of, when I heard it, you know, obviously this came out way before St. Anger, but when I heard this again, <laughs> prepping for the review, I'm like, this is, just sounds like a generic, like, 90s riff that Metallica ripped off for St. Anger. Not saying they ripped off Queensryche, but just, it's just blah. The only saving grace is it's not eight minutes long, like Invisible Kid. Right. And it's a filler track. Lyrics are really subpar, which I'm really surprised because uh, Queensryche, I feel, always has really well-written lyrics, even if I don't like the songs. Uh, really, just probably, at this point, my least favorite Queensryche song in the whole catalog. All right, well, I want you both to do me a favor. You guys ready? Yes. Uh, can you both look down? Yeah, I'm going to yeah. play along. Go for it. All right, so I'm fantasizing now that I'm there, so you can look at these nuts, because this song rules. I love this song. Following a heavy song with another heavy song. It almost sounds like Hit the Black 2. It's got a killer groove. I like it a lot. Look at these nuts. Look at these nuts. Look, I'm fondling them. And I just shaved them. I can't see shit over my belly. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, you look at them, Nitro. <laughs> They're smooth. Yeah, you see? <laughs> like plums. He's in good shape. <laughs> yep. I was lying. I didn't shave them. I never shaved my nuts. Not a lot of hairs grow out of my nuts. There's there's hair on them, but you know, I I fear if I ever shave them, though, it'll get really hairy. Anyway, I'll take the last one called Spool. This song sounds like it would have fit perfect on Promised Land, and they should have taken out that horrible direct disconnected song and added this because this song is great and it's a great album ending. I love Spool. This is an awesome tune. I dig it. What do you think, Ian Wadley? Uh, I think they spelled this fucking song wrong. They should take out the P, add a T, and call it stool. Oh, wait, wait, it... why? Because you think it's shit? Yep. Oh, look, man. Hey, we look down. Hey, 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 Ian, Ian. Yeah. Suck in your belly and look down. 
That's a nice dick. <laughs> Hello, uh, my old friend. Yeah, yeah. I, I shaved it so it looks better. Uh, or bigger, I should say. Um, oh my God, spool. What a piece of shit. I mean, really, uh, should have ended this album with all I want, and I would have been fucking happy. Actually, I, they could have made a great EP out of this. They, they made an EP with, like, the five songs that I, I can stand. I'd be like, fuck yeah, this is some great Queensryche. But uh, this one does absolutely nothing for me. Uh, but, hey, I mean, if other people like it, all the, all the more power to them. And I, I know I've kind of downed on this album, but it's still... I would rather talk about an album like this than fucking something that's mega popular. Because I love, you know, get people to look <laughs> at shit. Yeah. No, but you, you know what hey, I mean? Hey, I, I, Ian, I, Ian, Ian, yes, remember sir. when... A lot, of, a lot oh. of people don't know this, but... Oh, yeah. We did an Empire episode that oh. never aired. Oh, and, did you really? Oh, yes. It, it was probably, it was probably... I, I would go on... I'm going to go on record right here. It was probably in the top five episodes that we ever fucking did. It was... It was so amazing. We did it. Oh with wait, Mark. we did release it. No, no, we didn't. Because yeah, remember, we didn't. Yeah. Both my recorder and Ralph's recorder fucked up. We had fucking the corn dog king Mark. No, Taylor. you're talking about OU812. I'm talking about Empire. Oh. <laughs> you remember when we did the oh, Empire yeah. episode? Oh yeah, we did Empire with Terrence. Oh, I have the, that. The I have that. On it? Yeah, I have it too, and yeah. it was never released because Emp. Uh, uh, Terrence showed up late. Oh yeah, and Ian was so mad at him that oh. Ian like Ian pretty much didn't review the album. He's just like every time Terrence said something about a song, Ian would like insult him and go to the next song. Oh yeah, yeah, okay, okay, yeah. Oh. Well, well there, there, there's there's three lost episodes. I, I got confused for a second. I, I have the Empire still. I, yeah, I yeah I do. And I, and the other one's taken over. I have yeah, that one too. I have that one too. Yeah. Why don't you yeah. guys just George Lucas, me, I'll be the new uh, Job of the Hut. You can just... Yeah, because dude, it, would we, suck we as, can... it would suck as bad as those remastered ones. No, it's... <laughs> we, we, Dude, we can, put, we, can, we can just add Jar Jar and it would be better. Yeah. Misa yeah. like it! Misa, Misa agree with Ralph! Uh, but no, no there, there's three lost episodes that you will probably never hear. Uh, though I got confused, yes. No, the OU812 with Mark Allen Taylor. That I, was the best one. Oh, my God. That, that was so good. It was Why don't so, you like it? Uh, no, no, that's the no, one he didn't record. The, yeah, the, oh. on both we, we, ends. Yeah, that that one is totally lost. And for, I mean, there's there's no doing that. It just it never got recorded, but it was so funny. And so we were brutal. Oh, my yeah. God, were we brutal uh, to Mark Allen Taylor. And we had Mark Allen Taylor with us. Oh my god, and and he's trying to defend this shit, and and man, he was going through, uh, I think like his fifth divorce at that time, and, and and oh my god, we just we were so mean, but it was funny. It was it was goddamn funny. Now the, the other two that you'll never hear were both recorded with Terrence, but they were so mean that it was just mean. It wasn't even it, it wasn't even funny. It was just brutal. And I remember we almost released. The first one, because Ralph listened to the Taken Over. He goes, "Oh my God, this is the best episode we ever did." And I listened to it. And I was like, "I'm like, no, dude, no." I'm like, "We just, we sound like bullies." It's not. It almost. It, 
in my opinion, it crossed the line from being funny to, to actually being a bully. Uh, Spool, hands down, favorite song on the album. Oh, uh, see, the I most... was trying to save you from that. That's why uh, we're it's... skipping. I didn't want to embarrass yourself. It's easily uh... the most Queensryche sounding oh. song. Yes, oh, I agree. Album. Oh, you hate Queensryche. That's a terrible thing to say. It's got it's got the guitar harmonies. It's got the lyrics. It's got the slow buildup. This is the most trademark Queensryche sound out of all 14 songs on this album. It could have gone on either Empire or Promised Land, probably more Promised Land. But I think this is. When I got to the end, I'm like, oh, here's, like, the Queensryche I know. And uh, love that song. Easily best song. It's probably a top ten Queensryche song for me. Love it. Love it. Oh, oh good lord. God damn it, Ian. I told you to be home by 8.30, you little shit. Oh. Nito. Nito. <laughs> no, no, no. Spool on the show. Uh, oh, my God. Uh, well, I, I guess it's worth bringing up before we get to the fucking facts. Uh, there, there is a bonus track that maybe we all agree upon should have made the album. Chase yeah. Of- yeah, yeah, I like it more than some of the songs here, Chase of Blue Sky. Yes, Chase of Blue Sky was written by Scott Rockenfield and, and Jeff Tate. And uh, again, it's another fucking ballad. Uh, but I think it's very beautiful. I think it's yeah. a really beautiful song. I think it's very well sung. Uh, don't ask me about the fucking lyrics because I don't listen to this fucking pretentious shit. You know, I just, yeah, it's got a nice melody. Uh, I, I dig Jason Blue Skies. What do you guys think? I, I, I would, yeah, I agree. I would also say the same thing with the real world. I think that should have been on Empire. Uh, oh, oh, oh that's a promise that, line? Yeah, that's a great song. Yeah, oh, I should have made that album. That song from fucking uh, Last Action Hero? Well, yeah, it's, it was actually song. a B side, too. Oh, I love that and song. And the live version's even better with the... Oh, man. Love it. Yeah, great song. Uh, I like Chasing Blue Sky a lot. It's very samey, though. It's it, This album is the one Queensryche album where there's not a lot of very... Uh, a lot of variance in the sound. I feel a lot, a lot of this album can kind of be a little repetitious, especially in the middle. I mean, I do like a lot of those songs, but I would have swapped out easily anytime, anywhere for this one. Uh. Okay. All right, all right, all right, all right. My opinion, my opinion. Yeah, I love it. Should have been on the album. And taking out, uh, let's look at Cuckoo's Nest or, or uh, what was that other one I didn't like? Hero. Hero, yeah. Yeah. And the one after Hero, uh, Miles Away. And all those three, I, I like Jason Cruz back more. This could have been a really great, like, 10 song, 11 song album at the yeah. most. Of course, a lot of a lot of albums are like that that aren't called Firepower. But a uh, little background facts on this: this was released March twenty fifth, nineteen ninety seven. Recorded at Pearl Jam guitarist Stone Gossard's home studio and mixed by Toby Wright. Produced by I should say overproduced by Peter Collins. Underproduced. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That that's a matter of opinion. I, I'm not a big Peter Collins fan, even though he's Man, he, he did some shit with Rush, and he did, you know, some shit with uh, Suicidal Tendencies. And, uh, he sang yeah. for Genesis for a while. That's Phil Collins. Oh, my bad. I mean, he uh, did Empire, too, didn't he? I mean, I, whether yeah. you like the album or not, I think it yeah. sonically sounds really good and really clean. This does not. 
Yeah, but I just don't. I don't but, have an ear for production. I, yeah, I think it sounds. But I, I, everything he's been part of sounds like it has a rubber on it, you know. And I'm a bareback guy. Fuck rubbers. I'm all then about bareback. You would. I think you would like this and probably more because to me this sounds very like raw, but like in a way like things are barely mic'd. I feel sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it, it's not as overproduced as Empire and uh, Promised Land. I'll agree on that. But I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a big fan of Peter Collins' production, regardless. You know, of all, even albums I like that he's done. And so, like, I wish somebody else was producing it. But it's the same way I feel about Bob Rock. You know, uh, just too too fucking sanitary. I, I want to catch something when I listen to an album. You know, I want something that's gonna stick with me, not something you can wash off. No, you don't have no problem when I slap on a condom to butt sex you, motherfucker. Yeah, I still poke a hole in that motherfucker because I'm a risk taker. He wants to feel it. Yeah. No wonder I've been itchy down there. <laughs> but uh, let's see. Where did this make it on the U.S. chart? Made it up to number 19, but quickly fell off the charts. Uh, it, it didn't go gold. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. And I think it's an interesting album to talk about. I love talking about, you know, Dark Horse Records, and this is definitely one of those. All right, well, now it's time to go into Pick of the Week and Nitroglycerin, since you are our very special guest. And by that, I mean oddly handicapped. What is your Pick of the Week? Well, uh, a more obvious one would have been, you know, really making it insane, because it came out the same year. I could have done Cryptic Writings, because we oh, were already talking God. about that. Oh, but, God. But I decided not to, not going obvious. I'm going deep. Oh. So Megadeth recently got Dirk. Van Buren as their drummer, who played on an amazing album in 2003, was my intro to real technical death metal, and I'm talking about the band Aborted. The album is called Gormageddon, The Saw and the Damage Done. I challenge every Rat and Motley Crue fanboy on the page to grow a set and listen to that album and not bang your head. This album is brutal. It's also very hooky with the riffs. This is an album where Aborted went from being a grind band to a kind of more carcassy, melodic, but still very technical death. I mean, this has some of the most insane vocals, drumming, and guitar playing you'll ever hear. Aborted, Gormageddon. Check it out. But, uh, all right, so so it's my turn for Pick of the Week? Yes. Yeah, all right. Sweet. Here's another one you guys will shit all over. Uh... I absolutely love it, uh, except for the first track, and that is the brand new album from Ministry, Americant. Uh, it kind of reminds me of uh, of the one we just reviewed of uh, God damn it, I'm drunk. Dark uh, Side of the Spoon. Yeah, Dark Side yeah. of the Spoon, where, where the first track, uh, they definitely let off with the weakest one, but the first track isn't even really like a track. It's just like, it's like the longest intro ever, but to me it's too repetitive. Uh, doesn't keep interest but then what it goes into is what i think is the strongest ministry in fucking years and i love the way not only the music and the vocals but the way they use the samples and everything reminds me of old school ministry and i absolutely love it i know a lot of people like right away like uh they're talking about my president i don't like it you know but to me a president too uh, uh, yeah, a lot of the lyrics it, it goes it goes much deeper than just fucking Trump. It just goes about government in general. Something Ministry has always done. But I'm talking about the songs, and I find them really good, really strong. Uh, 
and I, I think it's a fantastic album. You know, my buddy wrote me the other day because Mr. X sent him, uh, you know, the new Judas Priest and the new ministry. And he's like, oh, man, this new priest is great. He goes in the ministry is the best in years. What do you think? I'm like, I don't know, because I can't stop listening to the fucking Judas Priest. And it took me a long time because I just couldn't stop listening to Priest. But I finally took time the other day and listened to the ministry. And I was like, wow, this is really fucking good, really strong musically uh lyrically i think the production is really good on it uh big fan i love ministry and i i, I love shit that uh is anti-establishment i think it's very american i don't think it's anti-american i think it's very american all right well my pick of the week is uh i made a post about it today it's a very popular album but i just gotta say it is in my opinion the greatest album ever, ever, ever made from a band that's not even in my top 20 uh, of greatest bands ever. And that is Pink Floyd, The Wall, uh, which Mind Crime borrows a little bit of The Wall. You know, the intro to uh, Eyes of the Stranger sounds very uh, similar to The Wall. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, that is my pick of the week. Pink Floyd, The Wall, no album in the history of music hits me more emotional than that album. It brings me depression but it also brings me reality. And, you know, when you get, like, you know, 53 years old like me and you've experienced death and a lot of fucking horrible things in life and how knowing that the kid I was, like, you know, I, I, I the little kid I was that wasn't into music, only loved metal, if that kid was standing right in front of me now, he'd probably be like, oh, my God, look what I turned out to be. You know, that's depressing. So it's like the little kid in me is dead. You know what I mean? And that album really brings it. Like, you know, especially the line in Comfortably Numb. The child has grown, the dream is gone. And then that emotional solo. I mean, and the whole yeah. album, the mother part, it's like, dude, you know, it's like, I don't think I'm ever going to listen to The Wall again when my mother passes away. I don't think I will be able to. Because even while she's alive, it depresses me how, you know, my mother is, you know, like a good mother. You know, she cares for me always wants to cook for me always you know there's nobody in the world that's gonna love you more than your parents unless you got shitty whore parents which I love too because I get to fuck them so uh that is my pick of the week The Wall from Pink Floyd my favorite album of all time The Wall is that, is that the one with Learn to Fly yes okay it says that one sucks would you like to learn to fly would you like to see me try wait you don't like the, you don't like The Wall no, he doesn't like uh, momentary lapse of reason. Yeah, no, I, no, I'm kidding. Uh, I, I fucking worship the wall. No, anything without Roger Waters sounds like OU812. Yeah, as much as an asshole he can be, is I mean, he's a brilliant writer. Um, yeah, a lot. I like, you know, I don't know. I know how you're saying, Ralph, how it's going to be hard for you if you could ever even listen to some of those songs. But, like, I'm such a sadist sometimes. Like, I like my music to like, sometimes wreck me emotionally. I, I just like that, but also I understand like there's sometimes I don't listen to certain things because they remind me too much of specific. Yeah, like uh, Daniel events. from Elton John. I don't know why. I think I was diddled as a kid, but I can't hear that song. Daniel, <laughs> Daniel from Elton John will come on. At, at, at Publix. Oh, is that I, the one that you were in a grocery store? Yeah, and I, and I actually walked out until you know I left my shopping cart and everything in there and stood out there for like. Uh, I don't know, like five minutes and then walk back in and the song was done. It happened too when I was with a friend 
at Denny's. We were sitting at Denny's and eating. It came out. I was like, oh, dude, I'll be right back. <laughs> I don't know. It's just something about that song, man. And I don't know what. I don't know what it is. There must. It's some traumatic thing that happened to me as a kid. You know? Anyway, so, yeah, that's my pick of the week. So, Ian, who's fan yes, of the week? Well, fan of the week this week, the guy who paid for this particular episode that was man enough to donate is Aaron Baker. And Aaron Baker is a longtime fan of the show, longtime contributor on the Facebook page. And I want to thank him so much. And he was going back and forth about different albums he wanted to do. And and actually, all the ones he threw up were, were great choices. He threw and up? I'm, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, man, when he settled on this, I was like, wow. How awesome is that? Because this is something we already had in place. And you told me, like, someday we have to do we this all, album. Yeah, and we, we, we have to have nitroglycerin on here. So it was like a win-win. Like, hey, we were already going to do this. That's awesome. And uh, I want to thank all the people who have been donating. I want to thank you very much. And Aaron, uh, Aaron's child was born this year. He has a brand new son. So I want to congratulate him on that. Oh, congratulations, Aaron. If it was a daughter, you'd hate me. Yeah. <laughs> 18 years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but thank you so much, brother. And I think you picked a very interesting album to talk about something that was worthy of an episode you know it's real easy when you talk about something that everybody loves and everybody agrees on i think it's far more entertaining when you have a diverse of album like this that people have different opinions on and, and uh, uh something very important to talk about is that i have a list of episodes i want to do and that was one of them yeah so you're definitely on ralph's good side he definitely likes you more than tim bream right now <laughs> oh awesome someone should uh, after they listen to this make sure they message um, Mario Aguilera and just let him know because he's very busy just let him yeah. know his name was <laughs> yeah. mentioned just yeah, let him know I mentioned his name today oh another kid I can't spell uh, yeah <laughs> he's real busy so just give him the clip note versions of the episode uh, he but, ain't got time he's the only one working guys no one but else works give me like the 10 hour fucking discussion on Justin Trudeau but unlike him fucking Aaron Baker is not a moron he's a loyalist for yeah, the show yeah Aaron Baker rules I, I appreciate you so much brother and, and I hope you enjoy this episode and I apologize that we had nitroglycerin on it but uh, it was already it was pre, pre-designed that he was going to be actually on that was on my list when I, I put Queens right here now with nitroglycerin Oh yeah, oh, and, and I will back that up, man. Uh, I actually I, have him set up for another show as well. I forgot which one. Yeah, yes, Nitro. He's been lathering your ass because we've talked about this, and he's like, "Oh, we can do that one." Because Ralph always wants to do albums that he doesn't have to listen to that he already knows. Because I don't want up... Aaron to. I don't want like Nitro to think I'm like a bad person for relentlessly attacking him for being a, a maiden target. Right. That's true. And, and I'm all joking, but in all seriousness, he's like, oh, he goes, we got to have Nitro on. He goes, whatever his name is. I don't know his real name because he's an asshole. But he's like, that guy. <laughs> we got to have that guy on for that episode. It was so douchebag, it, not asshole. Oh, my bad. I was paraphrasing. Uh, but, uh, dude, seriously, hope you enjoyed it. And thank you so much. I hope you make it to the expo. I'm not quite, I know you live in Ohio. But I don't know how far that is in Nashville. I hope you make the trek to come out and meet us. 
everybody who comes to this thing, man, we are going to make it worth your fucking wild. You're going to have a great time. But yeah. you are a fan of the week. Thank you very much, Aaron Baker. Now it's time to get into the plugs. Ear Pillar, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpillar.com to find out what we're all about. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K, 8 p.m. U.K. time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. Hey, rock music fans. This is Terrence Reardon of the Terrence Reardon and Friends Audiovisual Podcast. Join yours truly as I look every week at a different classic rock or metal album that had a major impact on my life. And I'm usually joined by a friend or two or ten. And we talk about nothing but great classic rock and metal. And there's no country or Sammy Hagar or rap on the fucking show. That shit is frowned upon with yours truly. So if you want a great classic rock audiovisual podcast, tune on in to the Terrence Reardon and Friends audiovisual podcast. New episodes every Monday exclusively on YouTube. Are you ready for the hottest new podcast out there? Check out the Vieira Vault, featuring none other than Dr. Fuck Ralph Vieira. You will hear personal stories and personal songs from the vault. There ain't nothing else like it. The one, the only, the original Vieira Vault. On Podbean, Stitcher.com, and iTunes. Spreaker. God damn it. Tired of your long commute and boring work day? Well, join Brian Davis and his gang of movie buffs as they talk about a different movie subject every week on Damn Good Movie Memories. We discuss movie themes like our favorite movie villains, favorite soundtracks, and worst movie remakes, and much more. Check us out on iTunes and Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. From New York. Hey, 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 hey! What up, bangers? From North Carolina! Skitter Pal Meow Meow. This is Bushy. And the Mountain. Tune in every week for your listening pleasure only on the plug with Bushy and the Mountain Man. You can find us on Podbean and iTunes. Thank you very much! Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... Then you'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at DecibelGeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll and it's always free. This is Ian Wadley, Wadzilla from Wadzilla's World. Do you want to hear the greatest, most eclectic show on the internet? Show up for the best in hard rock, heavy metal, classic rock, funk, soul, and anything else I deem necessary. Wadzilla World, only on Cranium Radio, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time to 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Be here or be a bitch. Music's most diverse podcast, starring Luke Innes, 
Gregson Bootlegs and Mr. T from Germany. New episodes released every Saturday on Podbean, Podcast Addict and iTunes. The True Alternative Podcast. Hey, Headbangers, you want your own radio show? Well, you got it. On Thursday nights here on that metal station, join me on the Dr. Fuck Show. Go in the chat room and I will make you my co-host. That's right. Everybody that joins me in the chat room, I discuss whatever you guys want to talk about. I'll mention your name. I'll say what you say. And we're going to go back and forth. And I'll even fucking play whatever request you want. Unless it sucks. Then I ain't playing it because my show rules. And only songs that rule is allowed right here on that metal station. The Dr. Fuck Show airs live Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. Hope to see you there. Whoa, no, no, fuck that hope. I better see you there, motherfucker. All right, well, if you like this episode, either you like our dick jokes or you hate fucking Queensryche. Either way, come back. We promise not to talk about a shitty Iron Maiden album or to have nitroglycerin back on. (laughs) So that means a great fucking episode. Oh, I'm not going to listen. Ah, uh, son of a bitch. What are you, well, Wang the... now? No, wait, wait. You guys, forgot. <laughs> you guys forgot the kiss news this week. Oh, fuck. Next oh, week for sure. Oh, yeah. Find out exclusive kiss news next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Wow.